Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. Hi, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Butts and Guts. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the chair of colorectal surgery at the Cleveland Clinic here in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. And today we're going to talk a little bit about which colorectal cancer screening method is right for you. And I'm very pleased to have Dr. Brenda Jimenez who's a gastroenterologist at uh, one of our partner institutions, Cleveland Clinic, Florida's Weston Hospital. Dr. Jimenez, thank you so much for joining us on Butts and Guts. Thank you for having me. Have a good afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, for those of our listeners, we always like to start off with, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where did you train? How did it get to the point that you're working here at the Cleveland Clinic? Uh, So I'm uh, from Dominican Republic originally. I did my residency in Boston. Uh, After four years of very cold weather, I decided to move to sunny Florida. And so I did my gastroenterology fellowship training here at Cleveland Clinic. And I just love the environment here. And I've been here for more than 10 years, actually. Fantastic. Represent the DR. I love it. And so we'll go with a little bit, uh, kind of a big broad view. You don't have to get too much into the weeds, but just for our listeners, how does colorectal cancer start? And I know there's a lot of different pathways, but in general, kind of, how does it progress? It usually begins as a non-cancerous growth. It's called a polyp and they develop over many years. It's on the inner lining of the colon. Uh, Anywhere between 10 to 20 years is how long it takes to develop. And like you mentioned, there's different pathways Adenomas are the most common type of precancerous polyp. And about, you know, about a third to a half of all individuals will eventually develop one or more of these precancerous growths. So what are some of the symptoms and warning signs of colorectal cancer that our patients and listeners out there should not ignore? So first of all, early colorectal cancer has, has no symptoms. Uh, but when, you st- when it starts to develop you know, more advanced, Things that we shouldn't ignore include rectal bleeding, any type of blood in your stool, black stools or bright red blood, a temporary change in your bowel movements, especially in the shape of the stool, if it's thin like a pencil, or any pain with with, with a bowel movement or frequent cramping in your lower belly. So let's say that you're somebody out there that doesn't have any one of those symptoms. You're stone cold normal and you're rolling along. So... Colorectal cancer screening is still important. So what percentage of U.S. Uh, adults qualify for screening that are up to date on their, on their screening? Is it, is it a large percentage or are we missing out on a lot of patients that should get screened that aren't doing it? We're certainly missing out quite a bit and it varies by age group. The goal is to have 80% of the population that should be screened to be screened. Currently, only about 60% of the population uh, that is that qualifies for screening uh, is, is being screened. Uh, and this decreases by age group. Uh, and I know we'll talk about this maybe shortly, but it, the, the screening recommendations maybe have changed a little bit. So in the greater than 45 age group, roughly about 50%. Um, and anywhere between 45 to 49, it's only 21%. So we're far, far away from the goal that we would like of 80% uh, of screening. So before we delve into the methods of screening, can you tell me a little bit about the difference between a screening examination and a diagnostic examination? That really means if, if you have no symptoms and we're doing the tests just to find a uh, either an early colorectal cancer or uh, a polyp. So that's a screening test. 
once you have some symptoms, just like what we mentioned earlier, any change in your bowel habits, abdominal pain, or or, um, or rectal bleeding, that would be considered a diagnostic test because we're looking for something, trying to find a reason for your symptoms. Okay, we're going to walk through some of the different screening options and and, and tell us a little bit about is there one something one factor more than another, or it doesn't matter what we do, why you would recommend one or the other. So first, uh, colonoscopy. What is it, and uh, when is it useful, and how does it differ from that once? So, so there's different, like you mentioned, there's different types of screening. The colonoscopy is considered both diagnostic and therapeutic because it can not only detect a polyp or a precancerous growth or a cancer, but we can also treat at the same time in removing that. Uh, so they're offering the, the screening for everybody. We just offer different options. Um, if you have availability of a colonoscopy, I would definitely recommend that for you because it's a one-step test. Uh, whereas the other tests that we'll talk about in a little bit later, they're, they're two steps. In other words, if they are positive, then a colonoscopy would be recommended to try to, number one, identify why it was positive and provide treatment or the next step in the management. What's the difference between a colonoscopy and a flexible sigmoidoscopy? So a colonoscopy evaluates the entire colon whereas a flexible sigmoidoscopy only evaluates the left side of the colon. Um, flexible sigmoidoscopy does require uh, some sort of preparation as well. Usually you, you, you need a, a specialized or a trained physician to, to perform it. In addition, some patients request anesthesia. Uh, and if you have a precancerous growth on the left side, a second step test like a colonoscopy would be recommended as well. So it's not being performed as often. Uh, for screening uh, for colorectal cancer. How about some of these tests that kind of fall under the fecal occult blood test or the fecal immunohistochemical test, the FIT test? How, how are those different? So these are stool-based tests, just like you mentioned. And the FIT test looks for any type of, you know, hidden blood in the stool. Uh, it, it is, it detests early cancer and also uh, an advanced or, or a, a colon polyp that's a little bit bigger in size. If it's positive, so then a, a colonoscopy is recommended and it's something that is usually recommended to be done on a yearly basis. Uh, there's other stool-based tests uh, in addition to the, to the FIT test or the fecal immunochemical test, and they look for abnormal DNA. That one is called a stool DNA or uh, that can detect if there's also hidden blood, but in addition to that, it looks for abnormal DNA. And this one is recommended every three years. The benefits of these are these are tests that you can do at home. You don't need to do a special prep or a special diet, and you don't need to go to a physician, take time off of work to get these tests done. So there are some, you know, it's possible that more patients will be able to do these tests. And then I know a lot of patients ask me, oh, I, I don't want to take that prep. I don't, I don't want to go through that. So can, can I just get a virtual colonoscopy? What's a virtual colonoscopy? And do you have to have a prep for that? You do. So that's, that's definitely uh, one question we, we get asked quite often. And you don't need anesthesia. But in, other than that, it's very similar to a colonoscopy in that you have to clean out the colon. Even though it is a virtual colonoscopy, it's an imaging test. Uh, if there's stool covering the, or coating the colon, the radiologist won't be able to see it. And, and there won't, even though they do something called stool tagging, they won't really be able to see. And in addition to that, you have to inflate the colon as well. So there's some discomfort with that. 
And if a polyp is seen, then a colonoscopy may also be advised to follow up on that polyp. So we're going to go into a segment I like to call truth or myth. What is real and what is not? So truth or myth, some of these tests are better than others at identifying colorectal cancer. That is that is the truth. So uh, colonoscopy uh, it has a higher you know, ability to detect colon cancer and colon polyps anywhere between 60, close to 70%. Um, the other tests are a little bit lower, anywhere between um maybe 40 to 70% uh, with their school-based DNA test, but they're not, they're, one is better than the other. Truth or myth, a patient should talk with their primary care doctor first before scheduling any screening tests. That, that is true. Uh, you should definitely speak with your primary care doctor. They'll go over the different options, um, making sure that there's a, a, some tests that are safe for you to do. Um, if there are any specific risk factors in your family, some tests may be, you know, more recommended as opposed to others. If there is any family history, for example. Truth or myth, if my first screening using any one of the methods we talked about before shows no concerning polyps, I don't need to schedule another one unless I start developing symptoms. I would consider that a myth, and I think uh, most physicians would agree with that. Uh, the risk of of colon cancer increases with age. Uh, so the even though there's a, a negative test with, at, at age 45 or age 50, for example, you know, that doesn't mean you won't have another polyp you know, within another 10 years. They, it does take some time for these to grow. So I would say that's a myth. So I know you touched base a little bit on this before, but can you just briefly recap, what are those tests that you talk about do we need to have a prep on and which ones do you not have to? So um, colonoscopy, uh, which is, you know, actually visualizing the colon, it needs a, needs a preparation to clean out the colon and we'll be able to see the lining, see if there's any polyps. Uh, the flexible sigmoidoscopy, again, because it's a visual test, needs to have some sort of clean out, a diff different than the colonoscopy. Basically, usually we sometimes use an enema. And then for the CT colonography or the virtual colonoscopy, that also requires a preparation. And you had mentioned a little bit earlier about there was some recent changes specifically regarding screening tests. So for asymptomatic average risk patients, can you talk about what those were and what does it mean to be average risk? Average risk means uh, there is no family history of colon cancer in your, in your family or usually first degree relatives or, or multiple second degree relatives. And the age of diagnosis is also very important. Younger patients, less than 60, uh, will increase your risk of colon cancer. There are some patients that if, if they have some underlying conditions like inflammatory bowel disease, they're also at a higher risk. Average risk patients means no family history, no symptoms. And up until quite recently, the recommendations were to begin screening at age 50. Um, and over the past years, decades, that the risk of colon cancer in that age group, you know, greater than 50, had been decreasing. However, we have seen a rise in incidence of colorectal cancer in those, you know, less than 50. It actually has doubled in the population between 20 to 49. So that's led over the past, you know, two to three years recommendations to start screening at an earlier age, and that age is, is 45. It's fantastic stuff. And we like to get to know our guests a little bit better. So we like to wind up with some quick hitters. And so for you, number one, what is your favorite food? Favorite food has to be Italian, pasta. 
Number two, what is your favorite sport either to watch or to play? Baseball. Dominican. And Boston Red Sox. Ugh, yuck. Sorry. And then third, what is the last non-medical book that you've read? Um, it is uh, Abraham Lincoln and The Path to Abolition. And then finally, uh, you know, I normally ask my Cleveland question, but since you're a guest from down south, I'll ask you a little bit. What, what is to our listeners? What is a reason that they should schedule their next vacation to the Dominican Republic? Ooh, um, it is. It has to be the warm waters and the beach, and clear, clear beaches, clear blue. You can see your your toes, your feet. It's it's amazing. And just by happenstance, my brother-in-law and my niece and my nephew are there right now. And I had no idea going into this interview. So fantastic. So, so for <laughs> final take-home message for our listeners regarding this concept of screening for colorectal cancer. Know your options. Know that colonoscopy is not your only option. There's many different screening options. And the best screening test is the one that gets done. So speak with your physician and make sure you get screened at an appropriate time. Fantastic words of advice. And so to learn more about colorectal cancer or to schedule a colonoscopy in the Florida region, please visit clevelandclinicflorida.org slash colonoscopy or clevelandclinicflorida.org slash colon cancer. That's clevelandclinicflorida.org slash colonoscopy or clevelandclinicflorida.org slash colon cancer. And if you're closer to Ohio, please visit clevelandclinic.org slash colonoscopy. That's clevelandclinic.org slash colonoscopy. Finally, remember, in times like these, it's important for you and your family to continue to receive medical care and be rest assured at every Cleveland Clinic location, we're taking all the necessary precautions to sterilize our facilities and protect our patients and caregivers. Dr. Jimenez, thanks so much for joining us on Butts and Guts. Thank you so much. Have a great day. That wraps things up here at Cleveland Clinic. Until next time, thanks for listening to Butts and Guts.